Thank you. Well, it's uh, good to see you all here this morning. How has your summer been? I hope you've had a good time. I hope you've managed to have a little break. Maybe like us, you've got together with family and friends. We had a family wedding early in the summer, and it's great on those occasions, isn't it, to see family, see friends, um, catch up with them. It's great at weddings, isn't it, to hear what people say on the speeches. And often people say things that, you know, they've wanted to say for a long time. And it's that moment where you get an opportunity to say things. But time has moved on, hasn't it? We're back here now, back into routine. What's happened to the weather? I mean, we moved from, you know, suntan cream to brollies, you know, just overnight. And uh, the reality is for many of us, we're getting back into a work routine. If you have children at school or you're a teacher, this week has been one where you're trying to get them up in the morning, trying to get back in to life as we know it. And you know, weddings and new beginnings and new terms, those times when we perhaps say goodbye to family and friends, they're moments where we often want to say things clearly to those that we love. If you have a little one that's starting school, on that morning that you take them to school, and I can remember that when I took mine, you're, you're running through all your, in your head all the things that could go wrong, and you're trying to encourage them. And if you're a family who are preparing a young person to go to university uh, this September, that's a, another whole big deal, isn't it? And there comes a point as a parent where you can't really say anymore. You've given them all the advice. You've, you've said everything you want to. And then you just have to pray, don't you, that they will be okay. And I want to take us to a passage where really Jesus does that with his disciples. It's John chapter 17. It's towards the end of the Last Supper where Jesus has been you know, teaching his disciples, reminding them of all that he's taught them. And then it's almost like he gets to that point where he's, all I can do now is pray for you because there's change coming. There's a time coming. And Jesus looks up to heaven. He looks up and he says, Father, the time has come. And the time when he's going to give his life for them has come. And the disciples, they, they just don't really know what's going to hit them. I mean, let me set the scene for you. This has been a week where Jesus has been preaching in the temple. There's been crowds of people listening to him. But also the authorities have been trying to trip him up and question him and harass him. And this evening, he gathers the disciples together. It's the Last Supper. But of course, they don't realize it's going to be the Last Supper. And this evening, where Jesus should have been the guest of honor, he's the one who ends up serving them and washing their feet. He tries to explain to them what's going to happen, that he's going to be leaving them that one of them is going to betray him. Others are going to deny him. He talks to them about remembering him in the future through the breaking of bread and the drinking of wine. He, he promises that the Holy Spirit is going to be with them 
whatever happens. But at that moment, the disciples are confused and fearful. They have no idea of this massive change, this crisis that's going to happen in the few hours that are to come. And so Jesus begins to pray. He prays for himself, and then he prays for his little group, his disciples. And then he goes on to pray for all the disciples that are to come throughout all the generations. So the reality is, in that moment, he was praying for you and me too. Jesus is found praying many times in the, in the Gospels, but this is the time where we get the biggest sort of length of time, the biggest content, and we get a glimpse into how Jesus prays and what he prays. So looking at Jesus praying is important. It should help us as we pray. You know, last week we looked about at the persistent widow who kept on praying, and we've been uh, following the 531 challenge where we've been praying for five people we know who don't yet know Jesus. And this Wednesday, we're going to all gather together and pray. Prayer is central to our relationship with Jesus. So it's going to be interesting to look at how he prays. So I'd like you to ch- turn to John 17. We're going to begin reading at verse 13. It is quite a long passage. So if you have your Bibles and you can follow or on your phone, that'll be great. And as I read, I'd like you to look at what I'm saying and ask yourself, what is Jesus praying for? And what does he pray for us? Because that'll help us as we go forward. So John 17, uh, beginning at verse 13. I am coming to you now. This is Jesus speaking to the Father. But I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they, that's the disciples and us, may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of this world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that's us, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. 
Father, I want those that you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you've given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and I myself may be in them. Amen. Amen. So what did Jesus pray for? Well, there's lots of things, but there are two main themes that I see intertwined in his prayer, that we should be better together, that we will be united, that we will be one, and also that we will be sent out on a mission, together on mission. He prays that we will have joy, yes, but overwhelmingly he prays that we will be one, not divided by race or gender or class, by not bothering with each other, no, but pulled together, united, one people. And through our unity, Jesus prays that the world will sit up and see what God the Father is like and how much He loves this world. Jesus prays that we will be sanctified. That's a long word, but it it means the process where Jesus, little by little, makes us holy. He makes us people who live different lives in the world, good, clean, holy lives. Not huddled away from the world, but actually out there as salt and light. He prays that we'll be protected as we do that because it's not always going to be easy. And he prays that we will be sent out into the world with a real sense of mission and purpose. And that ultimately we will see God's glory, that we will one day be with Jesus in glory and know him in heaven. So what does that mean to be united, to be one, to be better together? to to be such an example that the world sits up and see what Jesus is like through us. Well, earlier on in chapter 13, uh, when Jesus had washed the disciples' feet, he says to them, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one one another. So love is meant to be like a hallmark, a distinguishing feature of what we're like as a, as a people, as a church. And it's meant to demonstrate to the world what Jesus is like. Getting together, being part of teams is crucial to that. You know, Steve Tibbet, our senior pastor, who we'll be celebrating next week, he's been here for 20 years. One of his key Uh, values that he's put in place is that we do church as teams. He has a team of elders that he works with. We have a staff team. And probably even more importantly, we have many volunteer teams throughout this church. I mean, right here this morning, we've got the welcome team. We've had had the worship team here. The youth team have taken our brilliant young people over to Rathfern. 
I'm sure back there in the noughts to fours, the creche team is working really hard. And, and everybody plays their part. If you're on a team this morning, I just want to say a big thank you to you and commend you and encourage you to really do your best on your team, whichever team it is. Don't just do a job or be on a rotor, but care for the people on your team. Get to know them. Give them a ring. Call them. Be friendly. Pray for one another on your team. Let's build great teams that show people as they come into our building what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And the other way that we can really become one is through our groups. In fact, our group's slogan is better together. And groups provide a way that we can get to know and love each other. I mean, you can't love everybody in this room. You can't love hundreds of people. You need to sit in a front room or in a room upstairs with six or eight or ten people from church and really get to know them, hear what their week is like, hear what challenges they face, pray with one another. And our groups create those little environments where you can belong and where you can become one with other Christians. Today, we want to encourage you to join a group and get connected. But you know, teams and groups, they aren't an end in themselves. They are a means to an end. Because we're called to be one, to demonstrate to the world what Jesus is like. We're called to be one, and then we're sent out. We're called to be together on a mission. Jesus said very clearly that as he had been sent out, so we are sent out. In fact, he commanded his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them, sharing the good news. And each one of us is called to do that. You know, right early on in his ministry, Jesus sent out his disciples two by two to go into the surrounding villages and share the good news and pray for the sick. I, I wonder what that was like. I wonder if they were nervous. I wonder as they went out in twos whether one was bossy and took the lead or, uh, you know, whether there were those who said, oh, you pray, I, I'm not ready to do that yet. I wonder if they went into a village and they saw people who needed healing and they remembered, oh, you know, Jesus prayed and healed everybody. What will happen when we pray? Will people be healed? I bet they were nervous. I bet they were scared, but they still went and they came back rejoicing because actually they were used by God wherever they went. We're sent out in that way. But we don't go by ourselves. We need others. We need to be in little teams, in twos, in, in threes and fours, in tens. We need to go out together. You know, New Frontiers, the family of churches that we belong to, has always had that theme that we're together on a mission, that we can do more together. And New Day is a brilliant example of that. It's a, it's a youth conference for over 6,000 young people. And a group of churches get together to put that on. And lots of people serve. So that when we sent our 100 young people, 
They could really meet with God. They could experience worship on another whole scale and come back full of excitement and love about Jesus. There is power when we work together for the kingdom of God. And we do that in lots of small and big ways throughout the week here at King's. So this week, a lot of our our ministries will start up again. Tuesday, we'll have Rainbow Rhymes, where a team gathers and prepares to make a safe, friendly, fun environment for mums and dads and toddlers. On Wednesday, we'll have Wednesday Welcome, where elderly folk in our community can have a great meal and chat and worship together. And in the evening, we'll have the feast where we feed sometimes over 100 people who are on our streets, disadvantaged at the margins of society. And there's a, there's a team that makes that happen. It isn't just one person. And towards the end of the month, we will be running Alpha again. And, you know, we have a brilliant Alpha team that work in the kitchen. They're, that's like a little group, and they, they prepare all the meals so that people can have a great start to the evening. And others are little teams that welcome people and prepare for the discussions that will happen on tables. But, you know, all of that is just a waste of energy unless you and I pray for and invite our neighbors and work colleagues and friends to come along to Alpha and ask their questions because we're in it together. We're sent out together. That sounds great, but I know when it gets to Monday morning and the nitty-gritty of life, it's sometimes hard to do that. And sometimes we feel we're too busy or it's someone else's responsibility or it's just a bit scary to get involved in building the church and bringing unity or going out and being sent. We live in a very busy society here in London. You know, we commute, we're stuck in traffic, we do demanding jobs. Some do more than one job because they need to make ends meet. We run our children round to their activities and on top of it, some of us study as well. It's a pressured life. But let's just stop and pause for a minute because Jesus is calling us to make a difference where we are, to show and demonstrate and make the world sit up because we are different. Yeah, I'm busy, but, you know, I still have time for the bake-off. Yeah, you know, still have time for Strictly or is it X Factor, you know? We have time for the things that we want to do, don't we? And we make time for lots of chores every day, don't we? Whether it's shopping or tidying the house or helping our kids with the homework. We, we find time for the things that we need to do. We need to find time to care for one another and to reach out to our world. Of course, sometimes we think it's not really our responsibility, that there must be someone else who could do it better than us, someone who could speak more clearly. You know, we we worry, don't we? We think, oh, if I invite my neighbor to Alpha, then they might ask me a difficult question about faith, and I might not come up with the, the right words. We think maybe if we 
you know, we see an elderly person in our road and we think, oh, someone else will check on them. Someone else will reach out to them. Surely the church can do something. Surely the church can just run Alpha and that'll be fine. We are the church. We are the church. We are the people that Jesus prayed for on that night. We are the disciples sent out. There's no exceptions. That's the call on us if we follow Jesus. That sounds a bit scary, doesn't it? I mean, it might take us out of our comfort zone. It might get messy. It might be embarrassing at times, sharing our faith or inviting someone along to Alpha or having some friends from church around for a meal or, or, or just giving a call to that person we know isn't well. They might ask us to pray for them and, and we might not have the right words. We have fears and worries. But you know, the disciples did too. And Jesus prayed for them and he promised them that the Holy Spirit would be with them. The Holy Spirit would give them wisdom and guidance and power and boldness so that they could do what he called them to do. In fact, Jesus spent his whole life equipping the disciples to do what would be their mission, to go out and build the church. He sanctified himself. He sacrificed himself that his disciples might be equipped and filled with the Holy Spirit. His words in John 17 in the message version say this, in the same way you gave me a mission into the world, I give them a mission in the world. I'm consecrating myself for their sakes so they'll be consecrated in mission. And those weren't just empty words. Jesus gave himself up for us. Within hours of his prayer, he was betrayed by a friend. He was unfairly tried. He was callously beaten. He was walking with a heavy cross on his shoulders, going to a brutal, ugly death. He sacrificed himself for us. He gave himself so that we could be forgiven. So all the stuff in our minds and hearts that isn't good, the selfishness and pride, the bad attitudes could be washed away and cleansed if we put our trust in him as our savior. He died that we might be adopted into his family and shown grace and filled with the Holy Spirit and consecrated and sent out into the world. So we respond to what he did, not out of duty, but out of gratitude, not out of guilt because we should do it, but out of love to him for all he has done for us. We are sometimes busy and indifferent and, you know, think we can't do it. But you know, the wonderful thing is that Jesus didn't just pray for us on that night 2,000 years ago. He continues to pray for us. We read in Hebrews that he is now risen and by 
the right hand of God. And you know what he's doing? He's praying for us. He's interceding for us that we will be one, that we will show the world what he is like, that we will make the world sit up and see that Christians are different. He's speaking to his father on our behalf. He is able to save us completely. He is able to equip us to do what he has called us to do. So just as he prayed for us, I'd like us to pray for ourselves and to pray for each other. And I've just summarized his prayer in John 17. And I'd like us to take a moment now and pray that for each other, if we can have it on the screen. I'd like us to pray it aloud for yourself and for the people sitting either side of you. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to fill us so that we can be one and we can be sent out into this world. So let's say this prayer together. Dear Father, I pray we will know that you love us. This week, help us to be holy. Teach us your word. Fill us with your joy. Help us to show what you're like by loving our brothers and sisters in the church. Protect us as we go into the world. Fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit to tell others the good news about Jesus. Amen. Amen.